2: and welcome back to the bear report podcast coming to you from bourbon a from chicago bears 2017 training camp my name is jeremy stoltz i am the publisher of BearReport.com. here today with aaron lemming who is also in bourbon a with me how do you like the weather here in illinois
1: it has uh, been a nice change from what I'm used to. 115 degrees usually, and where I'm at, and here it's been 80 and a little humid. I love it.
2: Yeah, it's a little overcast right now, but uh, yeah, the weather's really gorgeous out right right now. Really nice breeze. Really good day for the first day of uh, to kick off training camp. Uh, and I know that it's going to get real warm here uh, coming up. So uh, uh, we're trying to enjoy. Uh, This nice day as we have it, but uh, lots to talk about here and not a lot of time to do it. So let's just get right into it. Uh, Pernell McPhee starts the season on Pup. With a new knee injury, this John Fox revealed today that it was uh it's in his left knee where uh, McPhee had the surgery a couple a year and a half ago on his right knee, and uh, this is a new uh, just uh, something that they found in the knee during his physical uh, when they came down here to A and now he's going to start the season on the physically unable to perform list. And, uh, you know, John Fox said it was day-to-day, and I guess that's really what it is. I mean, it could be a week, like he said, or it could be a day, it could be a month. They don't really know. Uh, But a little concerning, don't you think, for a guy who's already had a number of knee injuries in his career?
1: It is. I mean, this is something that was an issue uh, when he was in Baltimore and was, you know, rumored to be the reason that they let him go uh, in free agency. but. I and it's it's always hard to gauge John Fox and obviously you're around him much more than I am but he didn't sound overly sure exactly what was going on and it was a little concerning when he was asked you know how long this was going to drag out for and he wasn't really willing to put a timeline on anything and he didn't sound overly confident to me so I'm a little concerned that this could be something especially if you put him on pup now you know obviously uh, you know it's something to keep in mind that if they take him off he practices things don't go well then they can they can put him back on PUP to start the year he'd be out what the first 7 weeks of the season so it's an important designation to have uh, versus putting him on IR but I mean, this is just it seems like every year it's just something new with mcphee uh and especially with these knees I mean you got the one quote unquote fixed now we're having issues they used to having issues with the other one, so i I don't really know what to make of this.
2: well, I think the fact that it just kind of came out of nowhere is what is really the most concerning about it, and you don't know the the depth of the injury and you know really what it is at this point I doubt the Bears really have a a, a good grasp on what it is and how long he's going to be out so I I don't think John Fox was trying to fool anybody when he was talking today I think he was uh genuinely just did not know exactly the the extent of of McPhee's injury and how long he's going to be out and I think that's a huge blow to the defense this is a guy who you and I have talked about over the last few weeks who was supposed to come back healthy and really kind of be the catalyst for the defense like he was when he was healthy a couple of years ago and Now you know not only is he not going to be out there now, but uh, you know there 's a chance he might not be out there uh, to like you said for those first seven weeks of the regular season if he doesn 't get out there soon so uh, very concerning for for the bears defense and something that you know guys like Willie Young Lamar Houston. Uh, obviously Leonard Floyd really gonna have to step up and pick up that slack off the edge until mcPhee does return hopefully for the bear's sake and for Bears fans sake it is a, a short uh, rest for mcPhee but uh, you know if he's out for an extended period of time I think it might be uh, you know justified in lowering our expectations a little bit for the defense but we'll see we'll see how he goes we'll see uh, you know if McPhee can, can get back out here uh, while we're down here in bourbon a. Uh, but right now yeah it's it's definitely time to get a little bit of concern about one of the best defensive players for the Bears but Moving on a little bit, let's talk about one of the other best, uh, one of the other top defensive players on this team, and that's Akeem Hicks, who said uh, yesterday that he wants to finish his career in Chicago. Drew Rosenhaus was seen uh, in the vicinity. Uh, which led people to speculate that the uh, the Bears are working on a deal. I know it was reported. I believe it was the Sun Times reported that the Bears are in contract talks with Akeem Hicks. And this is something that you uh, specifically have brought up a number of times about how this needs to get done. You happy now that Rosenhaus is in the building and, and there's at least some talks going on with an extension with for Hicks?
1: I think it's a very positive move. I know I think it was Patrick Finley had the original story about them working on the deal, and then Brad Biggs had come out and said – at least from what he heard, heard, uh, you know, Akeem Hicks is looking right around the ten million dollar year range. And I know a lot of people are like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But, and, and I agree to a certain extent. But I mean, you're talking about a guy in Akeem Hicks who, okay, let's look at Garrett Wolf. Garrett Wolf, so Garrett Wolf is making right around, I think it's nine million dollars a year. Um, Malik Jackson's a little, a little over fourteen uh, million a year. And Benny Logan and uh, and Dontari Poe. When you just look at the annual average value i mean they're right in the eight million dollar range and i would say that akeem hicks is right in that same range and i mean you got to look at it the way especially with a you know a guy like malik jackson i mean the the cap has gone up a little bit so i think if 10 million dollars a year is what he's looking for i think if you can get the guaranteed money it seems to be right in about the 35 to 40 percent range so if you're looking at 18 to 20 million dollars guaranteed over a four-year deal of Forty million dollars. I mean, I think that's something that both sides can pull the trigger on, knowing that they get a good deal. I mean, that's just my take on it. I think things will probably develop a little bit more, but I think, especially when you look going into next year, Mike Glennon is going to be the only guy moving into 2018 that has a higher cap hit than ten million dollars. So they have money to spend. They have, uh, you know, they don't really have a lot of resources, or they have a lot of resources and not a lot of players to use it on. So I mean, why not extend one of your best players on your team?
2: Yeah, and I think it like you just said he is one of the best players on their team so if you have to pay him like the one of the best players on your team you just go ahead and do that and i think you and i have both talked about this a lot at 27 years old but hicks takes another step forward this season builds off his career high seven sacks last year then he's going to command at least 10 million in the open market next year and i don't think the bears really want to get into a situation where they have to compete with the other teams in the nfl because like you pointed out a lot of guys got paid the last couple of years in free agency well over market value just because uh, you know the demand of an interior pass rusher, a guy like a team Hicks, like you mentioned, Malik Jackson. Those types of players are, are who can push a pocket and fit in the face of opposing quarterbacks. Boy, they make a lot of money in a free agency. I think the Bears would do themselves a favor by getting this done now, taking care of it, just getting it off the, uh, you know, off of everybody's minds, and you know, get some security for Hicks and allow him to get really settled in and get comfortable in Chicago and be the face of that defense. Because I think you and I have talked about this a lot. He's You know, a healthier team, Hicks, is going to be a big, big, make a big difference for this team this year. And I think we're going to see it again. And it's going to make everybody feel a whole lot better if he's already under contract when he's making big plays this year. So hopefully they get that done. Hopefully, uh, you know, like you said, he, he. there shouldn't be uh, uh, anybody balking at the money here. I mean, I think $10 million a season is uh, what the market says that Akeem Hicks should be paid, and I don't think the Bears should be uh, pinching pennies when there's really no need to. They're not up against the salary cap, and they have the money to spend. And like you mentioned, Mike Lennon being the only guy over $10 million, there's a very good chance Mike Lennon won't be here next year, so that gives him even more money to spend. Why not give it to uh, one of the best players on your team? Hopefully that gets done for the Bears here soon. Uh, wrap, you know, Get a guy wrapped up who's one of your best defensive players, and you can move on and, and uh, you know, deal with some other issues that you have with the team. I think that's a great. I, I think it's great that Hicks wants to be here. I think it's great that they're working on it. Uh, good sign for the for the defense going forward. Um, as far as health, though, we talked a little bit <clears throat> about uh, Pernell McPhee. Let's just talk a little bit about uh, some of the guys who are and aren't healthy at this time. Danny Trevathan uh, did uh, participate today in a very limited fashion, only only in the walkthroughs. Kyle Long was the same. And uh, a lot of guys did return, though, um, and I'm just off the top of my head. Uh, Zach Miller returned today. Cameron Merith, Meredith returned today. Mark Sanchez returned today. Jay Howard was healthy today. Um, anybody else I'm missing right there off the top of your head?
1: I I think that sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, this is, relatively speaking, this is a pretty healthy start for the Bears.
2: Yeah, Eddie Jackson, the, their fourth-round pick, he, he didn't do any work during OTAs. Because of that broken leg, he was back out there today. So really outside of uh, Eddie Goldman and Dion Bush, th- both those guys uh, weren't able to pass the conditioning test because of dehydration. They they sat out today, and the Bears are going to take it easy with those guys. But um, other than Long and uh, Trevathan, uh, Jeremy Langford didn't do a whole lot of work either, so he needs to get back out on the field. But this overall, it was good to see all those bodies back out there. And I think guys like Cameron Meredith and Zach Miller, could be crucial, particularly Meredith, to the passing attack this year. So ha- having that, getting out there now, getting those reps with these new quarterbacks is, is very important. So it's good to see those guys out there. Good to see the Bears relatively healthy uh, going into this process. I, I, we don't know when Kyle Long will be back, when Danny Trevathan is going to be, be able to get out there and do uh, full-time work. But Trevathan said his goal is to be back for uh, the first game of the season, which, uh, like he mentioned, he's ahead of schedule. So That'd be a huge, huge boost for the defense, who really, I, I mean, you and I talked about it. But no one really expected Trevathan back at this point. So to get uh, a player of his caliber potentially out there in week one, uh, that's reassuring. And I think overall, looking out there today, you know, we talked about the injuries. I mean, how, how do you feel about the health of this team as we move, here, uh, move ahead in training camp?
1: I think it's definitely a positive that the only guy that started off on the pup was Purnell McPhee. I mean, I think it was a little bit unexpected. But all things considered, especially with Trevathan, I'm still somewhat in awe of the fact that, I mean, how is he able to practice? I mean, this is it's been, what, eight or nine months since he tore, tore his patellar? I mean, that's 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 a huge injury to come back. And I was actually talking with Jared Payton earlier about it, and, he, and he was, the, the thing that we're both agreeing on was the fact that it's like, you know these guys tear these you know tear a tendon like this and it's not a matter of you know if they come back sometimes but it's a matter of how they're going to come back but the fact that he's coming back so early is is big and i think getting some of these other guys back i think when you mentioned like a Kyle Long or even like an Eddie Goldman or an Andy Ambush i think it's i think the the biggest key that i've seen so far in granted obviously it was only today and just hearing what John Fox has had to say it seems like they are really going to make sure that they're not overworking their guys, that they're being careful with how everything goes. And I think that's smart because we've seen a lot of injuries lately, and it's good to see. I mean, they haven't really changed any of their staff, but they've changed a lot of the procedures. Uh, it seems like they're going a lot more in an analytical and uh, technological approach, which is going to be an interesting way to monitor things. but. It's good that they're taking it head-on because I think when you look at the last few years, especially last year with as many injuries, they had 19 guys on in injured reserve. This is a team that I, I know I did, and I think you did as well, expected a decent jump from them. I mean, they went from 6-10 and 10 to 3-13, and 13, and I think a lot of that had to do with injuries. And if they can keep healthy, I, I think a lot of people are going to feel much different about this team come the end of the year. Yeah, they definitely had to
2: change their approach, like you mentioned. The last couple years have just been, you know, the team's been decimated by injuries, and there wasn't the depth on the depth chart to really overcome that. And that's how you end up a three and thirteen football team, you know, a three and thirteen football team that was far more talented than what that record showed. So it's just, just goes to show you what injuries can do to you. So now, you know, we're looking at a team that, you know, outside of the concern with McPhee, everybody seems to be heading in the right direction. Uh, and no new injuries happened today, so that's very positive. Uh, another guy who, who wasn't out there today, just, off the top of my head, Marcus Cooper, uh, d- didn't participate again. He really hasn't participated w- with the team since the first week of OTA. He's not exactly sure what the injury is, but um, he hasn't been out there either. So otherwise, yeah, this is a fairly healthy team, and it looks like everybody's on the right path, and if they can stay on that path, no major guys going down here over the next three weeks, are going to put them in very good position heading into, hit, into week one, especially with that brutal slate in the first month. If, if big guys start going down now, and they're not out there during that first month of the season, the, the odds of them going 0-4 are very good. So it's it's good to get those, get those guys back, and I think you're right. They are going to start taking a little bit more easy, changing their approach a bit with guys like Kyle Long. With guys like Danny Trevathan, no, no need to rush them back. Just make sure they're healthy for Week One, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. So, if there is one positive that came out of today, it's the fact that uh, everybody, everybody seems to be heading in the right direction. We we weren't able to say that last year at this time, or really at any point last season. So, uh, you know, Bears fans, cross your fingers. Hopefully, that stays the same way. So, you and Aaron, or me and Aaron, were both out there. You you saw. Uh, practice today for the first time. i I've seen these guys a few uh, a few opportunities before during OTAs and minicamp. So what you know what stood out to you? Who stood out to you, and what were your overall thoughts of the team?
1: Well, I think my overall, I'll start off with my overall thoughts. And I know obviously, you know you've been there through all the off season programs so far, and this year and you were there all year last year now, for people who don't know, I wasn't at training camp last year. So really all I can go off of is what they were in 2015 and what they are now. What I will say is I think there's a lot more talent on this roster and there's a lot more depth on this roster than there was two years ago when Pace took over. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what that actually means. I think the biggest surprise for me and what really stood out to me when you look at players a position was a quarterback Uh and it's not just Trubisky, it's not just Glennon. I think the quarterback group as a whole. I mean, even Mark Sanchez looked pretty good today, but obviously, you know, Glennon and, and uh, Trubisky were the two big ones. I thought. I mean, there's definitely a different style. I mean, there's there's definitely a different approach when you look at the two quarterbacks. I think uh, Glennon's kind of more of a. Uh, Uh, I'd say conservative approach and uh you know there's a little bit more check downs involved but I I I was actually impressed I'm not a big Mike Glennon person and watching him today he he showed me something that I you know and obviously it's just practice but he showed me something I didn't really think he was capable of Uh, a little bit more mobility than I was expecting uh made some good throws made some you know some decent deep throws down the field and obviously I think my big big guy was Trubisky I think uh Looking at the quarterback group as a whole, I I didn't see really if if I came into this without knowing who was who, I didn't see a rookie on the field today. I think really the only big mistake that I made uh, or that I saw Trubisky make was he he bobbled a snap and fumbled the ball. But outside of that, I mean, he, he was showing things that I didn't even see in his college film, uh, especially fitting balls in a tight window. There's two different uh, throws a day that I saw, and there was one where he had triple coverage. Uh, That he just zipped the ball in right to Daniel Braveman. It was like a 15-yard pass. And I think the most impressive part of the day, uh, most impressive play of the day, came with Tanner Gentry on that 40-yard pass downfield that he pretty much threw in a position where only Gentry was going to be able to get the ball over McManus. Um, So I think definitely the quarterbacks are something to monitor. And I think Tanner Gentry was another guy very impressive, uh, a lot bigger than I thought he was going to be. And So I I would say at least to me, from what I got out of it, it looked like the offense kind of won the day or at least won my attention.
2: Yeah, and I agree. I think the offense definitely looked better. I thought Mike Lennon had the best practice that he's had since he's been with the Bears. And you know anybody who's listened to the podcast knows that I was a little rough on him during OTAs and minicamp because I expected a little bit more. But uh, he, he definitely seemed more in command of the offense today. Didn't uh, put the ball in harm's way. In fact, I don't. I, there wasn't a single interception out there, which is in stark contrast to OTAs and minicamp where there was an interception. Uh, every four or five plays it seemed like so uh, you know for them to everybody to come out there and be you know put the, not you know put the ball on harm's way not put throwing into double triple coverage uh, and and not really allowing any opportunities for turnovers I mean I think there was only one pass breakup that I even saw so all these guys including Glenn and Trubisky and even Sanchez they all came out there and looked like uh, the, the last five weeks, they've been doing some studying, and, and they, they seem a little bit more comfortable with, Dow, with what Dow Loggins is asking them to do. And that's that's a great sign for the offense, because I was a little worried about whether or not Mike Glennon was really going to be able to pick things up and you know get the ball rolling right away, but he did today. And that, that was a, a very, very good step, I think, for the offense, for the passing attack. But I think you mentioned Trubisky, and you know you saw his flashes, and he does. He do, he has those throws where you're like, wow, that's why he was the number one quarterback selected in this draft. But you also see rookie mistakes. You also see him, uh, like you mentioned, he had the fumbled snap, uh, which we haven't seen, for I hadn't seen for a couple of weeks out of him. But uh, you know that was an issue during veteran minicamp. Obviously, he didn't do it in college. So still something he's clearly working on. But I think that's going to come with time. But I mean, that throw that you talked about to Braverman, that was a, a naked bootleg where uh, you know, Trubisky showed off his mobility, and then just with a flick of a wrist, fired it about 18 yards down the field and hit hit Braverman in stride. That's the type of stuff you saw out of Cutler, and I don't I don't think that I'm not comparing Trubisky's arm to Jay Cutler, but just that effortless type type of throw on the run. I mean, the athleticism, athleticism is there, the accuracy is there, the arm strength, it's all there. I mean, I think you saw it today. That was your first taste of you know what he's capable of. And I think the ceiling is very high if I think you agree with me. And, and it's really just a matter of you know working out those small kinks because when he flashes, he really stands out, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, and it's interesting that you bring up Cutler because that's exactly, a, on a few of the throws that he made, that's exactly who I was thinking. And I know that's going to scare some people because you know Cutler <laughs> did make a pretty decent amount of mistakes. But that's something in Trubisky's game I didn't really see much of in his time in college. And that's, that was, that was a very surprising thing. And I think we talked about it a little bit towards the end of practice today. Uh, You know, some of the throws that he's able to make, uh, you know, on the far sideline and those, those across the field throws are are impressive. I'm a little concerned. I mean, he, he gets them there. Sometimes it seemed like maybe they're a touch too late. Uh, But as I say that, you know, then he, then he made, I think it was Braverman again, who actually had a pretty decent practice. We'll, Mm -hmm. We'll have to see how that goes. But, I mean he he made a pretty good throw to to Braverman over there so I I, I it and it's just one practice so it's hard to really gauge but if this is how things are going to go for the quarterback group as a whole uh, throughout camp, throughout preseason, the season, uh, I think this quarterbacking situation could be a lot better than people think. Obviously, just one practice, we'll see. We could we could be talking the exact opposite thing tomorrow.
2: Yeah, you never know. It's like you said, one practice, things change from day to day. But I just think I've you know from what I saw in OTAs and mini camp, I saw progress today, and that's really you didn't see a whole lot of that. Uh, when the Bears were up at House Hall doing their own thing, and so, so to see just one step taken forward is, is a positive sign for me. So, you know, for the for the sake of the offense, you'd want to see more. You know, another, let's see another step tomorrow. Let's see another step uh, when the pads come on 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 Saturday, and that's when we really get a better feel. Once that pass rush starts coming in and guys start getting in their face, we'll, we'll have a better feel for these guys. But at least for one day. Uh, those quarterbacks look good from top to bottom, so it's a positive sign for the Bears. And I thought that, the, you know, like you mentioned Braverman, but I thought that the the player, or a couple players, a couple receivers really stood out to me, and the first was Marcus Wheaton. And during one-on-one drills today, the cornerbacks and wide receivers went at it, and uh, that's always great theater, always great to watch. If you're ever at training camp, make sure you, you, you catch those one-on-one matchups, whether it's between wide receivers and corners or whether it's the offensive linemen. That's the real good stuff, which we'll get on Saturday but today, during those wide receivers and cornerback drills, that was great to watch. And I th- the guy that impressed me the most was Marcus Wheaton. Uh, not only with what he, you know, the first pass that he had, he uh, flew past Prince of Mukamara, made a nice uh, touchdown grab over the shoulder, about a 40 yard bomb. From Mike Glennon another really nice pass from Glennon in that situation Uh, but Wheaton showed me not only his speed he has that he still has the speed to get behind opposing defenses but he's been working intermediate and short stuff well too and really nobody could stop him today and the only guy that really did stop him was Marcus Wheaton because he dropped another in the last play the first play of, of uh, one-on-one drills he caught the, the big TD in the last play he got behind another defender but he actually dropped the passes so the only guy who stopped him was Marcus Wheaton otherwise he was pretty much unstoppable which is you know this is a player that I, I, I thought looked good during OTAs as well and seems to be taking that next step forward it wasn't wearing a yellow jersey anymore so he's a, apparently at back to full health too so Great to see from Wheaton, but I also thought that Kevin White looked pretty good today. And that's a, you know, we, we you and I have been uh, very hard on Kevin White, and our expectations aren't very high for him. But uh, I mean, I saw a guy making plays today. I saw him winning in uh, one on in those one on one situations. He was beating the Mukamara, Got a flag called on one play against the Mookamara, and uh, was making plays against in man coverage and in zone coverage. I saw him make two different catches, beating uh, crossing behind linebackers and finding soft spots in zone. Uh, against zone coverage, and that's not, uh, rookies don't typically do that, you know, and we've talked about Kevin White kind of looking like a three-year, third-year rookie because he's played so little, but that's not rookie stuff right there, so at least to me, I saw a little bit of growth in Kevin White today, similar to what, you know, we saw with Glenn and Trubisky, I saw him make a few plays. Now, the one thing that I, I will say is I don't see the 4-3-5 speed out of him. I'm, I'm just going to say it right now. I don't think he's as fast as, as maybe he once was before the injuries. He had a play today where he was... Uh, it was just another like Wheaton had those a couple fly routes and Wheaton flew past people but Kevin White couldn't get past Rashad Reynolds and I don't you know I'm not sure if Rashad Reynolds is a speedster but you know he didn't look like he was he was motoring down the field at all so I don't know if he still maintains that elite speed but he doesn't have to have that elite speed to be very productive and be a high-end number two potentially low-end number one in this offense if he can really take another step forward what did you see out of White today and any other receivers really stand out to you?
1: Well, you know, looking at a uh, looking at wide especially, I, I he looked explosive, and I'm not going to say fast. I'm going to say explosive, like you know, maybe slot receiver explosive. I do agree with you. I think watching him play, I don't see if I don't see a four three five guy, and that's fine. Uh, ultimately, I think when you look at what he's going to turn into and what kind of receiver he is, especially with the limited route tree. I think the biggest thing for him is going to be able to have that as explosions getting out of his breaks, running crisp, crisp routes, even if that's four or five routes. But most importantly, one thing that I saw today that I really didn't see anything from him last year in games was confidence. You talk about some of the, the short intermediate routes that he was able to run and one of the ones, you know, in zone where he was able to. He was He got behind the linebacker, and he was able to come back, cut really quick, and catch the ball and almost like a Cameron Meredith type he was able to catch the ball with his hands, turn up field, and move in a very quick manner so I think that's the kind of stuff that's going to very much benefit white because like like you said, and I agree with, I don't see a four three five guy, and that's fine, he doesn't need to be that. But I also don't see him as an overly physical guy. Uh, you know, I think you pointed this out. I don't think I remember seeing it, but there was a—I think you said there was a play in the end zone where he, it was a fifty-fifty ball, and he basically got out muscled for it. And I just—he's a big guy and he's strong, but I just don't see a lot of physicality from him. So I think he's going to be more of a, you know, a—I a, guess—a certain kind of weapon than he's going to be, you know, that that true number one like we'd all hoped, but overall I think you know when you talk about receivers that Kendall Wright didn't really do much to me I think I saw Victor Cruz make one catch and turn up field and look all right but I think overall Daniel Braverman looked pretty good but uh Tanner Gentry man I a lot of people were very high in him coming into camp uh and he was impressive today I mean he was he was all over the field he looks the part he's a big dude and he's a, he's a lot quicker than he looks so I think he's going to be somebody, because you look at this this receiver depth chart, and I know a lot of people are saying, well, he could push Bellamy. And I do agree to a certain extent, I think Bellamy's got some good special teams value, and I think that's what ultimately keeps him on the roster. But I think if you are looking at Kendall Wright and Victor Cruz, if neither one of these guys are doing anything, they may keep one and opt to keep a guy like... uh, like Tanner Gentry, assuming that he can have some special teams value and be that, you know, the fourth or fifth receiver, and develop into something more. I think he's somebody to keep an eye on moving forward.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right about Kendall Wright. Even Victor Cruz, Ruben Randall, um, you know, really of, of the veterans that they brought in, none of those guys have really shown me much outside of Marcus Wheaton. And you saw that today. Kendall Wright wasn't really doing anything out there. Uh, Victor Cruz, I, I, was he even out there today? I mean, I, ba- I barely saw him. And, you know, a guy like Ruben Randall has really done nothing since he's been with this team. So I, I don't have high expectations for any of them. And I think none of their jobs are safe. I know they gave Cruz a little bit more money uh, than Kendall Wright, but Wright is definitely not making starter money. That's a guy you can cut and really not even think twice about it. So if a guy like Tanner Gentry or Daniel Braverman or, you know, even Titus Davis can come out and, and keep making plays like Braverman did today, there's definitely an opportunity for him to. Uh, to, to earn a spot on that, on that final 53 man roster. But I think for a dry light Braverman, like you mentioned, uh, but you know Bellamy, he was a starting gunner today along with sheriff McManus, so that's his role. That's the that's where he excels, and that's where the Bears love him. And it doesn't look like he's you know he's going to be in that role again this year. So uh, I think that if Braverman is going to unseat a guy like Bellamy, he needs to show a little bit more on special teams, which he really hasn't done to this point. But he was returning punts today, so who knows if he can win out that job? That might be a role for him as well. So uh, I think the wide receiver position, like a lot of different positions on this team, is wide open. And, you know, we'll uh, we'll jump over to the defensive side of the football just because we were talking about those one-on-ones, and I, I want to keep going with that just because, um, you know, competition is wide open at the cornerback position as well, and a guy that I really thought played well in OTAs, Amukamara, Prince Amukamara, did not play well today at all, kind of got beat up in those one-on-one drills was there was a referee a couple referees out there today Mukumar was flagged i want to say at least three times during the one-on-one drills and i think he got another flag during team drills as well was real grabby out there and really didn't show, uh, you know, the same ability to mirror opposing receivers, the same physicality that he was showing on on fifty fifty jump balls that he uh, during OTAs. I didn't see that today at all. I saw a guy who was just, you know, trying to keep pace, and uh, you know, in order to do that, he was grabbing receivers and getting penalties for it. So, really disappointing to see him kind of take a step back again. One practice, he might come out and look like a, a world beater tomorrow, but. Mukmar didn't uh, didn't look great. Cooper hasn't practiced for a while. I didn't think Craven LeBlanc looked very good today, either. I, I think that secondary, you know, that cornerback position, you know, Kyle Fuller still getting beat left and right. I, I have no faith in him. I'm not, you know, we talked a little bit about how, you know, there's there's some new blood out there, but
1: any of those guys impress you today? Not really. I thought I thought the corners as a whole looked kind of bland. And I'm not really sure because I mean. He, you go back and forth between camp on a day-to-day basis. And it seems like early on the offense kind of gets a better, better, uh, end of the defense and so on and so forth. So I, I don't really know. I, I don't really know how to take it, but I do, you know, watching, especially Muka Moore, I mean, we, we we're standing there in one play over on the sideline where he practically tackled, uh, I think it was Marcus Wheaton on a play and, <laughs> and ended up getting flagged for it. But, I think it's gonna. There's a lot of names, and I think there's definitely some upside there. Uh, but what I did find interesting, and I, who knows if it's just a John Fox thing, is you, you talk about corners and and defensive backs as a whole. They don't have one uh, defensive back listed as a corner or safety. They're all defensive backs, and I thought that was pretty interesting because you have a guy like DeAndre Hall who was playing some safety, who didn't look out of place to me. Uh, I don't think he looked particularly good, but he didn't look out of place. So. I think there's a lot of, I guess you could say, upside names, and they've got some veterans and, and, and so on and so forth, but you'd like to hope that at least somebody's going to step up. I, I think things will probably start amping up uh, you know, as 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 the pads go on. I think that's what's Saturday. So it's uh, nothing really to speak of, but I think as a whole, at least for me, nobody really stood out defensively, uh, I think, except for Akeem Hicks. But once again, I mean, it's kind of hard to gauge these guys when there's no pads on and... At least to me, it seemed like they were they weren't quite at a you know, running at a hundred percent versus when I was there, uh, you know, two years ago when they they didn't have pads on. It seemed like they're going a little harder, so it was kind of a weird vibe for practice today. It almost kind of seemed like it was more geared for the offense to be able to take advantage and do some things. That was just my vibe. Maybe I'm wrong, but wasn't overly impressed with the defense but i wasn't you know overly upset with it either
2: yeah well I, sometimes the the you know in the past when when lovey smith was here the defense always was ahead of the offense uh, early on in training camps so the defense was the same every year and you always had brian urlacher and lance briggs and um you know the same guys were out, were typically here worked in the same system and they could just step right into it and go and uh that's not what's going on here with too many new faces too many um you know, too many guys uh, trying to fill roles that they had they haven't filled here before, and I think we're seeing a lot of that out of the defense right now. But again, back in OTAs, the defense was making plays left and right. So this this could all change. Uh, but you know, I guess my biggest concern was just not seeing any any big plays out there. The one play that Amukamara had sort have made was uh, there was it was a blitz on Glennon, and he he just threw up kind of a garbage pass. Uh, and I forget who who uh, Mukumara was covering, but the, the receiver didn't even see it. Mukumara went up over the receiver, opportunity for an easy interception, and he dropped it. So I think it was just a really bad day overall for Mukumara. And, uh, you know, I, it, it would be nice to see some of these cornerbacks start making plays because then, you know, if the defense isn't going to carry this team, where's where's that going to come from? Um, and that that might be the rushing attack. I don't know. I mean, we can talk about that a little bit, but I, I I worry a little bit about whether or not you know, especially with a guy like Marcus Cooper not being able to get out on the field. I wonder where those those big plays are going to come from the secondary. Quinton Demps talked a little bit about it. We can move to the safety position if you want. Talked a little bit about uh, you know the fact that. He, I think he had, in, in forced fumbles and interceptions last year, he had as many as the entire Bears team. Am I, am I correct? Or at least close. I think he had like six picks and four forced fumbles or something like that, and the Bears had 11 turnovers last year. Does that sound right to you?
1: I think that's yeah, it sounds about right because yeah. I know he had the six picks, and I think the Bears had what eight total interceptions. Yeah, yeah.
2: so I mean, he he alone was as good as the Bears were in, in, in forcing turnovers last year. Haven't really seen a whole much a whole lot out of dumps. A lot of people have been asking me about him, and I, you know, just I don't know if it's a lack of uh, opportunities um most of the deep passes have been near the sidelines so the safeties haven't been able to get over there i'm not exactly sure what it is but no big plays out of quentin dempson no real big plays out of any of the safeties especially not today either uh what was notable today is that harold jones cordy was uh getting a little uh, love with the first team rotating with adrian amos which i thought was interesting because we just kind of assumed that amos is going to be that guy but I, I i you know i think like the cornerback position safety is a wide open uh, uh, competition back there, and they're gonna keep rotating guys in and out until they find a nice deal, duo. And I thought what Dem said, uh, after practice was, Exposed a lot about his his thing. He said, "I don't care who it is, you know. I'm out there to do a job, and it doesn't matter who's next to me. I know what my job's got to be, and I know what his job's got to be. So, whatever the face is, whatever the number is on the jersey, I'm just going to make sure everybody's in the right place." So, you, you love to see that type of leadership, that that type of confidence from Demps. But at the same time, you'd like to see some plays uh, being made out there, and you know that goes hand in hand with the cornerbacks. And I think with a little more pass rush when the when the pads get on, we might see some balls uh, that you know the, the defenders might have better opportunities on. Uh, but, you know, of the entire defense, anyone that, you, you, you know... I mean, you, you mentioned Hicks. What what did you see out of Hicks today? What do, How did he impress you?
1: Well, I think with Hicks, it's just a matter of him controlling the line of scrimmage. It seems like he's almost in every play, especially when they're doing run drills. I mean, he was consistently blowing up, and like I said, no pads, but he was consistently blowing up uh, offensive linemen and making plays. And I think that's really... At least the biggest thing that I saw with him, like I said, I mean, overall, the defense just there wasn't really much in my mind. There really wasn't much to see. Uh, you know, I was kind of looking to see, especially with some of those new guys. Now, it the one thing that I did see as a positive, and I wouldn't really say defensively so much, is Eddie Jackson was finally out there. He looks healthy. Uh, he was he was returning punts. He you know was taking. I I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong because it it was kind of a blur with some of the numbers out there. But looked like he was taking some uh, second and third team reps at safety. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong there, but it's good to see him out there because he's somebody. He's another ball hawk. Uh, he's not really much in terms of uh, you know in the box run coverage, but he's somebody who can come out and make some plays, uh, especially in the interception department. And I think he could really complement well with the dimps depending on how things go. But, yeah, overall, I I think, I mean, like I said, I think it was really mostly the offense on the day I was looking to see a little bit out of, uh, you know, even the guy like Bullard or Roy Robertson-Harris and didn't really see too much. But then again, I mean, it was was just it didn't really seem like they were going full speed today. And it seemed like things were geared more towards the offense.
2: Yeah, and there was no pads on, so it's real difficult to get good evaluations on the offensive of a defensive lineman then we'll have to wait for saturday for that one player that i thought did stand out last i will talk about here before we wrap it up uh treat cohen and uh, you know his playmaking ability as a wide receiver um talked about it a little <clears throat> talked about a little bit during the offseason i wrote about a little bit at bearreport.com about how the impact that he can have right away as a, a, a multifaceted weapon in the offense. And I saw a couple times, I mean, the Bears are lining him up all over the field, and I saw him a couple times where he was lined up out wide with uh, you a know, running back in the backfield. And sure enough, they threw to him each time. So he made a couple of grabs out there. One play was a, a hot route, which first off, uh, if, for a running back to come into the, to a, 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 an unknown offense and to be able to pick up a hot route, uh, when a blitz is coming from the inside, that takes... Awareness it takes intelligence and it takes reaction time. It takes stuff that you don't typically see out of a, a, a rookie because you need that experience in those situations to be able to to recognize what 's going on and execute a hot route and give your quarterback an immediate target so that he doesn 't get blasted by the blitz. That often takes time, that takes experience. But Tariq Cohen, I mean, just in that in, in that play alone, showed me a lot in the fact that he knew what the hot route was. Bam, he was out three yards, looked back at the quarterback, and I think it was, an, I believe it was Glennon, it might have been Trubisky. Um, fired the pass, and it was probably about three feet outside of him. Uh, Cohen broke inside, the pass was three feet out, and he was still able to contort his body, twist away from where he was originally, and make a diving throw, plucking the ball just before it hit the ground. And uh, you know, like I said, just from the the, the execution of a hot route to then the, the the pure athleticism that he showed and the hands that he showed. Uh, that I mean, uh, am I? Uh, you've seen him now. I mean, I've, I've been talking about him for a while. Am I? Am I? Over, am I overdoing this with with trolling?
1: No, you have not oversold him at all. I was really curious to see how he was going to look, and he was just as as impressive as what you've said. I mean, I, I was it's weird because he's what 5 what is he five six, five seven, whatever he is yeah. and the dude has got huge hands but he knows how to use them and you know what something that always stuck out to me when you would talk about him was you know if he gets in the open field how explosive he is how shifty he is how i mean he makes there's a few plays today where he was either coming out of the backfield or he was you know catching a pass and just getting downfield and he was making guys look foolish. The way he was able to just cut on a dime and launch up field, it, it. I mean, he's the human joystick. I mean, it, it. It's obviously going to be interesting when pads come on and when there's game speed and all that stuff. But so far, he looks like he could be a weapon. Now, I think people need to temper their expectations when they look at him because he is a smaller guy. And it's something that we talked about today. He's not really somebody who's going to be able to come in and, and carry the ball 20, 25 times a game. Uh, but he's also going to be somebody who's going to have some good value, special teams value. And he's going to be somebody who's kind of that gimmicky guy that can come in and play. Uh, the one thing I did notice, though, um, and hopefully we're hopefully I'm not saying too much here, but... Uh, he did line up as a receiver sometimes, and I thought that was a little interesting with the running back in the backfield so I, I think that kind of shows you where they th- you know where they think or how they think about his hands
2: i don 't think it 's very surprising to anybody um, that they 're going to use him as a receiver um, you know so i don 't think we 're giving away too much there i mean the the guy has great hands the guy has a great open field ability to be stupid if they didn 't use him as a wide receiver, and like you know for a five six guy nobody thinks he 's going to Come out there and tote the rock twenty times, and, and be able to handle that type of pounding in between the tackles. I mean, he has to be an ancillary weapon, a guy that you can use in in you know those special packages, help create those mis- mismatches, which he's going to be able to exploit in a big way. You get some lumbering linebacker out there trying to cover him, and it's it's over. I mean, you think about uh, you know the problems that a guy like Nick Quitkowski has in coverage or John Timu, those if that type of linebacker is out there, and all of a sudden they're they're four yards across, and they have to to follow that little dude around no chance he's gonna make him he's not only gonna get open but he's gonna make a miss in the open field so uh, you know as long as a little dude like him five six i, I wonder the type of power you know he's got to be able to avoid those big hits but if he can absorb nfl contact he's definitely going to be a uh uh a playmaker for the Bears. And with his speed to go along with all that, you give him a little space, he's going to take it to the house. So, I, you know, I don't think that you're going to see Tariq Cohen out there every uh, every down and probably not going to carry too many times from the backfield. But I think if Dal Loggins is creative and understands what he has in the little guy, I think he can, he can really make the most of him and he can be a major... Asset to the offense, uh, particularly in the passing attack. One last thing, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. How did you think the tight ends look? Because I was actually really impressed by some of the backups. Um, ben Bronner had a really nice touch Daniel Brown has good hands. Even Michael Pruitt had had a really uh, exciting grab. And just getting Zach Miller back on the field. It, would you? Am I wrong in saying this? That might that position might be the
1: deepest from top to bottom on the roster. I you know I was actually thinking the same thing. I mean, you look at uh, you know there's been a lot of talk about Adam Shaheen now. I I didn't think he was quite as big as everybody said, and that's not to say that he's he's not a big dude, but uh, and it's not a bad thing either. But I I think you look at especially with uh, Daniel Brown uh, and and Zach Miller and then Adam Shaheen. I think they're all pretty similar in size. I I think obviously Shaheen's the bigger of the three, but uh, Miller Miller's a little bigger than I remember, but. Deion Sims actually impressed me. He's, he's, uh, he's a little bit bigger than I thought he would be. And he's a little bit more athletic than I thought he'd be. They get, man, they got some serious upside and it, and it makes me wonder because of Zach Miller's health and just the upside that they have, you know, with, uh, Daniel Brown, with a Bronick or with a Michael Pruitt, uh, it's like, man, does it, you just have to wonder is Zach Miller really a guy that's going to be on the week one roster? And that's, that's not really a discredit to him as as much as it is that the, that, that position has really improved. They put a lot of uh, low-term investments in there, and then they come in this year and they spend a second-round pick on Shaheen, and they spend $6 million a year on Deion Sims. And it's 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 going to be big, especially when you look at the the market next year and the draft and, and free agency. I think Pace did did a very smart thing, and I think they're going to be able to use a lot of two tight end sets and have good depth doing it.
2: Well, I think there's no reason to cut Miller as long as he stays healthy and they inserted him right back in the first team uh today so it wasn't like he he's gonna have to work his way back into the starting lineup he's right there alongside Deion Sims so I think they still have plans for him just as long as he can stay healthy now that's a huge huge factor for a guy like Miller who really hasn't been able to stay healthy throughout his career but He's shown that when he is out there and playing at 100% that he can play like a number one tight end. So when you, ha- like you said, when you have guys like Miller and Sims and Shaheen, and potentially you know if one of those guys go, goes down, you, you, you still like the guys that you have in Broniker and Brown and even even a guy like Michael Pruitt. I mean, somebody's going to get stashed on the practice squad who probably deserves a, a, a spot in the 53-man roster. It's a good problem to have, and I think, again, like I mentioned before, with Cohen, if Dow Loggins uh, understands what he has and the talent that he has at that position, especially if those guys out wide aren't making plays, which could be a, a you know a strong possibility this year. Uh, you know his best bet is going to be to go to those tight ends, so at least uh, you know that that's a good plan B to have. I, honestly, it should be a plan A, but if you know if all else fails, uh, looks like the tight end group might be able to carry the passing attack going forward if if everything else is not running on all cylinders. Anything else you want to mention? A Couple minutes left. Anything else that stood out to you on your first day back?
1: Uh, no, not really. I think uh they've definitely put a big emphasis on returners. I think it I, I think I, I think Benny Cunningham's gonna play a bigger role and I think he has a lot better chance of making this roster than a lot of people think. I will say that. But I, I like the I, I like the amount of names that they have right now at their at the returning positions. I mean, just the guys that they've added, plus you still got Deontay Thompson in there. Uh, you know just a slew of names even bryce callahan looked like he was back there at some points returning punts So that's going to be another one to uh, kind of monitor because the bears have really kind of lacked at that position over the last few years Both kick and punt returner and I think there's gonna be a lot of competition there and hopefully they can actually start, you know Turning the field for the better for themselves You yeah, the bears have a lot of guys one of the guys you mentioned before eddie jackson I think a lot of people are really interested to see
2: uh, Not only what he can do on defense, but what he might be able to bring in the return game um, you know, like I said, the Bears need some explosiveness in that area. So they they did bring in a bunch of guys. Trollen is another guy who's in that group uh, in the mix there for one of those return spots. So there is some uh, some exciting playmaking guys here. Uh, and it's, like I said, it's going to be fun to watch, especially when the preseason, when they all start getting opportunities to return punts and kicks. So that'll wrap it up here, guys, for our first training camp podcast. We're going to do another podcast, most likely on Saturday uh, or Sunday or Monday, after we get those pads on and get a good look at these guys Uh, fully padded up and and doing it 100% out there. Can't wait for it. Uh, That's it for us, though. So, guys, be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter, at AaronLemmingNFL. Give me a follow on Twitter, at BearReport. Check out all our work at BearReport.com with our brand-new updated uh, front page as well as our, our Facebook page, and if you haven't already, subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. That's it, guys. We'll be back in a couple days talking more about Bears training camp and what these guys look like with pads on. Have a good couple of days.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos.